Ironically, it is sometimes the obvious questions that nobody asks until the Rebbe comes along and draws our attention to exactly those questions. For example, when Yosef reveals his identity to his brothers, his first question is, is my father still alive? Now, why is that his first question? He already knows they've had the conversation. He knows that Yehuda right now has just begged with him, please, my father will not handle not getting Binyamin back. Why are you asking if your father is still alive? The Rebbe has explained multiple times, Asher Rashi, Bifirusha, Torah, that Rashi's intention with his commentary is to remove and tackle any question or difficulty that appears in the simple understanding of the verses. If you have a question on the Pasuk and Rashi does not, does not address it, then there's one of two reasons. Either Either that's evidence to the fact that Rashi has already tackled this issue elsewhere and given us the information we need in order to answer the question. Or it's just simply not a question, at least on the pshat level. It may be a question on other levels, but it's not a pshat issue. So with that in mind, we need to understand something about our parasha. Uh, what happens when Yosef admits to his brothers, it's me. So what does Yosef say to them? He says, I am Yosef, I need Yosef. What's the next word? Ha'oid avichai, is my father still alive? So immediately have the question, which in fact many of the commentators raise. What is the context? What happened before Yosef reveals his identity? It's Yehuda tackling and begging Yosef all against the backdrop of Yaakov did not want Binyamin to come down in the first place. Because what happens? What happens if he leaves? What happens if he dies? What happens? Yehuda is also worried if Binyamin is delayed coming back to Yaakov, and then Yaakov lost What happens if Yaakov can't handle it? And when he sees that I come back without the boy, he Yaakov will die. Yosef heard this all very well, and attached him so deeply to the point that he could no longer withhold and would restrain himself. So now why is he asking? Is my father still alive? That's what was so emotive for him. The fact that he's imagining Binyamin not coming home and the toll that it will take on his father. He recognizes that his father's alive. So why do you ask the question? You also have to try and understand the reason. And then, okay, for whatever reason it is, Yosef asks the question, is my father still alive? We have nothing in the Pasuk that indicates that he waited to hear their answer. Immediately, what does he see happens next? He notices that his brothers couldn't respond to him because they were so overwhelmed. They were so shocked. So what does he do? He carries on the conversation with no resolution of his question, is my father still alive? And he says, He says, come close. He reassures them, I'm Yosef, the same Yosef, still dedicated to all the values. He tells them the story of how he has risen to this incredible position of prominence. And then, what's his conclusion? Rush back to my father, to bring him. 
Yosef. You have to now say Obviously, Yosef knew that his father is alive. Otherwise, why is the next point of order? Go bring him. And therefore, we have to assume that the kavona cheres tumuna betevois haoid avichai. There's got to be some other message that Yosef wanted to communicate to his brothers when he said those words: "Is my father still alive?" Now, the Abravanel wants to suggest that he wanted to start the conversation. Now they were so shaken by the revelation that they're standing in front of Yosef, who had they had really not uh, dealt with well. So he wants to ease things for them and start the conversation. We have to test if that really works in this context. So Bravanel Pirish, she Yosef Shaul says, why says that Bravanel did Yosef ask the question, is my father still alive? It wasn't because he needed the information. He already recognized that Yaakov was alive. So why did he ask the question? It was to open the channels of conversation in a very awkward place. He knew that as soon as he says, I am Yosef, he knows what's going to happen next. They're going to be terribly embarrassed. So therefore, So he goes, Let's change the subject. Let's get away from the awkwardness of the situation. Let's not make you feel too uncomfortable. Tell me about my father. So therefore, he starts off by asking them about their father's well-being. And that should have been the beginning of a conversation. And then from there, he would have asked them, and how is this one, and how is that one, and how is your family? It just never reached that point. Because they were so gobsmacked, they couldn't respond, so he now had to move to a different strategy. But according to the Bravanel, the strategy was, let's start a social conversation over here. How's the family? How's my father? How's everybody at home? And if we were to go with this theory, which is that Yosef is just looking to open a channel of communication, then Rashi doesn't have to tell us that because he's already told us this before. That would mean that Rashi notes that in the Pasuk and doesn't have to tell it to us. Because he's already given us that kind of context before in other situations. Most famously, when when Abishah comes to Adam Harishan after the Chait Eitzadas and he says, Where are you? Which obviously he knew where he was, as Rashi says, Ayeko, Hashem knew exactly where he was. It was to open a channel of communication. That he shouldn't be too overwhelmed and too embarrassed to be able to respond. Likewise, after Cain kills Hevel, Hashem says, where is Hevel? What, did he not know where he was? He wanted to start off a softer opener to the conversation and then they'd get down to business. So then we'd say, if Rashi believes, as the Bravanel does, that this was just a conversation starter, then we would say that Rashi here relied on what he had already interpreted before, and he doesn't have to explain it to us again. But it's not the best explanation for us, because as much as that was a brilliant explanation for the Abishta speaking to Adam and speaking to Cain, it's not a brilliant explanation for Yosef speaking to his brothers. Why not? Because the context over here is that Yehuda has just given us a tremendously long soliloquy 
אוידס גויד על הצער, האוסית להיגורם ליעקב, אם יסעקה בנימין במצרים, all about the terrible pain that יעקב will endure if בנימין does not come home, הנה כדי להיכנס בדברים, if יוסף now wants to have a nice, genial conversation, לא יוסף לשאול להעיד אביחי, the way to start that conversation, to put everybody at ease, is not to say, so is my father alive? You just said, father is חלשים, he's in turmoil, is he alive? He should have softened things by saying, so tell me about your families. Tell me about the broader family. He didn't know, surely, you know, who the children were, etc. So it's not the best explanation we could give. Let's try another explanation. Maybe ha'oid avichai is not a question that seeks information. It's a statement of surprise. Wow, after all of that suffering, my father is still alive? Maybe that's how we could answer it. In spite of the fact that the sentence begins with a hey, it's not actually a question as in a question that seeks an answer. Is it true then that my father is really alive or were you just trying to paint a particular picture for me? But it's a statement of surprise. As Rashi has explained in multiple places already in Sefer Barashas, a number of statements that start with the letter Hey, where it's an expression of surprise. Here's the one uh, first example, the Gabay Ha Shomer Ochi Anoichi, where Kain says, What am I supposed to mean, my brother's keeper? He's not looking for an answer. It's like, I'm surprised that you expect that I have to look after my brother. It's an expression that it connotes total shock. Void and various other examples. Which means we could say the same thing over here. That perhaps Yosef was surprised at the fact that Yaakov is still alive. And that's tell me, how is my father still alive? But there's an important distinction that we have to draw between the usual expression of surprise and this one. Because, now let's use the example that we've just used, which is, am I my brother's keeper? And the same logic would apply to the various other examples too. The surprise that Kayan expresses is intended to neutralize Davish's claim. Davish says, where's your brother? And his response is to be, do you think that that's my responsibility? In other words, I should know the answer to that question. It's a complete dismissal of the question. Which means that Kain actually genuinely believed that it was not his responsibility to look after his brother. Whereas over here, even if Yosef says, how is Yaakov alive? It doesn't change the fact that Yaakov is alive, and it doesn't change the fact that that's surprising information in context. Yosef, as we've already illustrated, Yosef is aware of the fact that Yaakov is alive because that's been the, the nature of the conversation he's having with Yehuda. It's the fact that Yaakov is alive which perpetuates the surprise that Yosef has. We have an example of precedent for that in Chumash. As Rashi explained in Parshas Lech Lecha, when Hashem tells Avram Avinu that he's going to have a son, and he says, 
Halven meya shona yivoled. Will a 100-year-old give birth? Says Rashi, yes, to me, certain things, even though they are in an expression of surprise, they don't disappear. The surprise is sustained. He's not saying, will it happen? He's saying, it's going to happen, and I still can't get my head around it. How will a 100-year-old have a child? So perhaps that's what's happening over here. Yosef is surprised that Yaakov is still alive. Maybe that's the answer. Except that there are three reasons why that's not a great explanation in context. Firstly, there's an obvious reason. What's the big surprise that Yaakov is alive? And we have to understand. Aleph. Boise Shah, at the time of this interaction between Yosef and Yehuda, Yaakov's age is 130, as we know, because he's going to say that to Paroi. Way less than the age of his forefathers. Why, why are you surprised that he's still alive? He still has another 40, maybe 50 years in him. What's the big surprise? Number two, why say it? What's the link? I am Yosef. And I'm so surprised that Yaakov is still alive. What's the connection? I am Yosef, piece of information. Tell me about your family. Tell me how it is that Yaakov is still alive. But I am Yosef, therefore I'm surprised that my father's alive. It's the connection. Which brings us to the next point. Let's assume that Yosef is trying to work this out. He's so shocked at the fact that Yaakov is still around. Why is that part of the conversation? Why does he have to share it with his brothers? And why is that the first point of order that he has to share with them? I am Yosef. First thing. Wow, you cannot believe how shocked I am to hear that Yaakov is still alive. Why? If we went with the first explanation that Yosef really wasn't sure and he needed to check if Yaakov truly is alive, but then you could say, actually, then it would be absolutely logical. If he's really, really worried, is Yaakov still alive? We get it. That would be the first question because you need to know that information. It's, it's very important information. But we've already proven that Yosef knows that Yaakov is alive. And therefore, he's only expressing huge shock at that fact. What is the urgency to make that declaration straight after saying, I am Yosef? Well, actually, it's quite logical when you think about it. I am Yosef, therefore I'm surprised that my father is still alive. It's a very simple, logical explanation, actually, when you think about it. Rashi's already told us, remember, that when Rashi doesn't comment, it means he's relying on us knowing things that he's explained before. So he's already explained before, when it says that Yaakov refused to be comforted over the loss of Yosef, Rashi tells us why. That it is human nature that when somebody is truly alive, but you think that they are no longer alive, you just can't come to terms with it. Because Debesh has designed the world in such a way that somebody who dies eventually with time 
you can, so to speak, let it go and forget about that pain. Not true when somebody's still alive. Which is why Yaakov mourned the loss of Yosef for a very long period of time. So already Rashi has told us that that is the nature of how things work. And Yaakov is responding to that nature, which is why he cannot be satisfied with whatever comfort they're going to give him. Now Yosef is smart enough to understand this. That's what Yosef says to his brothers. Yosef, I'm still alive. I am Yosef, who's still alive. Which is why they are shocked and surprised. How is my father still alive? Seeing as I'm still alive. So therefore it emerges. That tells us that Yaakov had 22 uninterrupted years of extreme pain. The psychological pain of feeling lost, knowing that it's unresolved and, and, and that there's a possibility the person is still alive. And it's all relative, right? The more you love somebody, the greater the pain of losing them. So if for any of his children, Yaakov would have gone through in unimaginable pain over their disappearance, Yosef, who's his favorite son, it's a shocking degree of pain. It's something that the average person would never experience. It's totally abnormal. Cain, if that's true, it is a complete shock and surprise. How did Yaakov handle this? How did it not kill him? Such a human insight, right? That if a person, unfortunately, has a long, sustained, traumatic experience, it's normal that it will affect their health. And possibly even rob them of their life. How is Yaakov still alive? That's why Yosef has to say something about this. He has to express it to his brothers. Because by explaining his total surprise, how did Yaakov survive this terrible time? That will explain why Yosef says, okay, now we've got to move. We've got to get him here as quickly as possible. We find that not only did Yosef instruct practically that they should rush Yaakov back to Mitzrayim, get back to my father as quickly as possible and tell him your son is alive and he's the ruler of Egypt. And he says, come down, don't delay. Not just not only because Yosef needed that news to get to Yaakov as, as soon as possible, which would immediately remove this trauma and stress and anxiety that he's experienced for two decades. But it also motivates why they need to get Yaakov to come to Mitzrayim as soon as possible. He tells him, rush there, bring my father down here. Why is this such a rush? Because we're talking literally a life or death scenario. Considering how much pain Yaakov had carried for so long, you don't just resolve the pain like that. 
Even after Yaakov is rejuvenated, when he hears this wording that Yosef is still alive, still, it's not good enough just to hear that information. It's critical that Yaakov goes and sees him as soon as possible. It will actually help us to understand why Yosef speaks this concept through in so much detail. And that specifically before he tells him, go bring my father here, he says three times, because Hashem sent me here. Because if you think about it, there's a big question we should be asking of Yosef's conduct. Really? You're so worried about your father and this is how you react? So what does he say? He repeats three times. Hashem has sent me ahead of you to be your source of life. Hashem has sent me here ahead of you. And then it says, You did not send me down to Mitzrayim. It was Hashem's plan. Why say that three times? Because Yosef has to make something very clear because it's really important to address. If it's true that every moment that goes by that Yaakov does not see Yosef with his own eyes, his life is in danger, then Kosha, we have a really powerful question. How could Yosef have been satisfied to say to his brothers, Go, go get Yaakov. That they should be dispatched to Israel and they should bring Yaakov to him. Yosef should have jumped onto the first carriage and rushed off at speed to Eretz Israel to see his father. For two reasons. First of all, he has a responsibility to respect his father. You go to your father, don't expect that he should have to come to you. Especially when you consider that speed is of essence over here. And Yosef is younger, he could surely move more quickly to get to Yaakov than to expect the old 130-year-old Yaakov to get to him quickly. Besides that, you know, most practically, if Yosef had gone to Israel, Yaakov would see him sooner. And if you're so worried about the passage of time of not seeing Yosef, the sooner you see him, the better. That's why Yosef had to tell the brothers, and not just once, he had to repeat it again and again, that he is not in Egypt by choice. He was put into a position to serve in Hashem's shlichus, which is to supply food to the entire world. So he doesn't have the rights to pick up and leave, even though it's really important to get to his father. He can't go. He's, he's on Hashem's time, not on his own. And there's another perspective to this too. Rashi already told us that there's a midah keneged midah at work over here. The reason that Yaakov mourned over Yosef for 22 years, Rashi tells us, is because for 22 years Yaakov was away from home and was not able to show respect to his parents. 
knows this. So now he knows the 22 years of Yaakov's suffering are now over. Dorash Yosef Maru tells his brothers, get there as quick as you can, not only because I'm worried about my father's health, but the Kemishin is time is man ho'inesh. As soon as the allocated time of suffering for Yaakov has lapsed, we dare not delay things any further, not as much as the blink of an eye. If he's out of this, this, this period of his life, then he's out of it. Let's move as quickly as possible. Which will also explain why Yosef says, Go to my father, not to our father. The obvious reason would be because he's indicating Yaakov's suffering is because of me. It's my father. That's where the suffering comes. Being my father, losing this son, that's why he's suffering. You know, besides that, Yosef is saying, now I have the opportunity to show respect to my father. I wasn't allowed to do it for 22 years. I had to go through this process that Hashem had put into place where Yaakov has to feel the pain of not having shown uh, respect to his parents for 22 years. But now now that the 22 years of Yaakov being punished for not showing honor to his father are over, I have to now show honor to my father. Go to Avi, my father. It's my turn to now start to respect in an open way. Hashem teaches us practical lesson that we can all apply. Sometimes the way that we have to deal with people is a little bit of discipline and distance. Strength and sometimes even consequences. But we have to know if the Ebeshter gives 22 years of Torah to Yaakov and the minute it's over, everybody rushes like crazy to absolve him, to release him. We have to be so, so, so careful not to overplay the discipline hand. The moment we reach the point that discipline and distance are no longer required, straight away we have to immediately extend the right hand of benevolence and love and closeness as soon as possible. So the uh, Ebeshter should do the same for us. As soon as, uh, as the Rebbe said, the time of Golis is over, straight away, we need to have Yumin Makareves, the Gula Mitzvah Shlema, immediately.